for us as a movement. We want to finish this race, whatever God has for us, and we want to take each other with us. Roy, I want to pray for you. Thank you, my bud. Lord, I want to thank you for this, uh, this wonderful uh, gift from your generous hand. Thank you that Rory is a, is a friend to our community and to so many of us in the room. And we want to open wide our hearts to you and to him and everything, anything you want to say to us. We want to say, Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. Give him incredible grace, freedom, and joy as he proclaims your word tonight. And everybody said, Amen. go for it, man. God bless you all. Thank you, Riggs. It's amazing to be here. I've preached in this church many times, even when it was the other way around. And uh, I mean, I remember seeing this church when it was still a brethren building. And um, we must never, ever stop wowing God for what he does amongst us. And um, there's been an amazing journey. I watched the birth of Advance. And um, when we started worshiping this morning, I was deeply tender. It's just the presence of God is here. And you must never take it for granted. I, I just loved that preaching this morning. I was deeply ministered to. It did something in my heart. You're like a clean vessel, bro. It's just an absolutely clean vessel. Um, it's great to see some of you. I've known some of you when you were still varsity students. You're leading churches now. Um, Rigby and Sue, I think it's just amazing to see. I think you came down here at 40 or 42 to see these young guys that you've believed in and to see them counting for God. It's glorious to see the multiculturalism here, to see guys coming from Africa. I think it's just beautiful. And um, never ever stop wondering at the grace of God. Uh, the Bible says that he is the vine, we are the branches. Without him we can do nothing. That's like diddly squat. That's absolutely nothing without him. So he's done ama amazing work. Don't ever take each other for granted. Don't gossip and slander and criticize. Just bless each other as uh, God takes you forward in an amazing way. Thank you for having me. My dear friend Pete, it was great to be at your 60th birthday. It's great to see you still counting for God. The last preach he preached was in our pulpit in Pretoria and uh, had a stroke on the way back. I'll never forget that, Pete, and I trust you'll preach again in our pulpit one day. So um, we know that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. It's, it's crystal clear. To us charismatics, you reform guys will be battling a little bit with it. And in 200 years time, you'll still be battling with it. So I've just settled, Paul wrote Hebrews. And I know some of you at George Whitfield College, I'm so sorry about that. But from my charismatic position tonight, I will be preaching Hebrews. Okay, let's forget that. I hate being told what to preach on. It's like horrible. I don't know why I even said yes. And, and I regretted it. The moment I said yes, I regret it. I thought, what the heck? They didn't even give me a whole verse like you. They gave me two sermons from half a verse. I mean, looking, I think, flip, what am I going to say? And then I Googled run and race and comrades and flip. You used the comrades illustration. Where, where, where's Zip? Is he here? Where are you, Zippy? Why don't you stand, bro? Oh, Zippy. 625, if I remember. 625 for the, long time ago, 625, gold medal, Comrades Marathon, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, 
so I'm a church leader and um, I'm a businessman and I've just taken, like you have, our churches through probably the most difficult time of our lives. But you must remember this, we're not politicians. People say to me, what do you think of the Russian-Ukrainian war? I think I'm trying to sort the war out in my own flipping head when I lie down in bed at night. I'm having a clue about Russia and the Ukraine, you know? I've got this stuff going on here, like, like Russia and Ukraine, you know? And COVID and the medical conditions and the statements we have to make. We are preachers of Christ. We are not psychologists. We are not psychiatrists. We are preachers of Christ. And we've had to play all these different roles, and we are fraying at the edges. We've got to get back to the original reason why God called us to preach on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Simply that. And uh, the day before lockdown, I, I, my, I inherited a business from my dad. I employed 200 staff. I was reading through the message, and in Isaiah 61, it says this, I, the Lord, am fair, and I pay salaries in full on time. <coughs> Horrible scripture to receive. <laughs> the day before lockdown, our business went to closure for four months. I paid the salaries. My dad's accountant told me that I was mad. Our business went into overdraft for the first time in, since 2007, and my, and my dad's accountant said to me, your dad would never do this. I said, but I'm not my dad. I've got my own race to run. And God brought us through it, and I applied for, a, 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 for an overdraft. And, and, and when the overdraft got approved, I felt so down. I thought I failed our family, I failed the system, but I heard God. And then, and then the, accountant, the, the bank manager phoned me and said, your trust document was signed the day after the approval of the loan. You've got to change the dates around, and you have to sign surety. I said, I can't sign surety. He said, why? I said, because the Bible says I can't sign surety. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what? I said, no, the Bible says I can't sign surety. He said, there's not a loan in the banking history where the guy hasn't signed surety. I said, I can't sign surety. And I had two gold pens in my, in my bag that had my dad's name on it. So I pulled them out. I said, my dad got given these by your bank for 30 years of faithful service. Please just take a photograph and ask your bank manager if these will be enough for me. He took a photograph, he wrote me a letter, he said, Mr. Dyer, in the history of our bank, we have never given a loan without signing surety, but because of those two gold pens, you don't have to sign surety. Unheard of. Because of 30 years of faithful service of an earthly dad, I didn't have to sign surety. And our father's in heaven. And when I got the trust documents right, we had traded our way out of it and our business didn't need the loan. So I fired my dad's accountant. <laughs> just as these things go. <laughs> so therefore, we're going to read this um, 15 times over the next few days. And, and you know, all of us preachers are therefore, then something went before, you know, I'd go, therefore, therefore, okay? I'm just trying to waste time because I don't know how to speak for two, two sessions on one verse, so it's going to waste time. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Say for us. So I didn't know how to preach this. I thought, I'm going to take up a lot of time. I wonder how an apostle would preach this. I think we'd go and look at Paul, and we know that Hebrew is still out there, except for us charismatics, but... So we have to go and look at Paul and it's like, run the race as if you want to win. Don't box aimlessly. Look at it and you must like, you must train and go into street and you must be a winner. 
So an apostle would preach, and then he, then he says to the Galatians, who cut in on your race? You were doing such a good job, and then this legalism sort of cut in. You must remember grace, guys. We are credited with righteousness. And when you sin, you don't buckle over and lose your salvation. There's not a book about losing our salvation. We know that. You guys all studied Eton. If it wasn't for Eton, you guys would be finished. So, so we know it's not about losing salvation. We can't do that, cross, cross. It's all about inheritance. Hey? So Eton says, so we believe it. But, 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 but we are covered in righteousness. That's what the apostle would, he would preach this by saying, hey guys, run your race, but remember, you've been credited, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, Romans tells us, but we've been credited with righteousness. And when you sin, you draw on the credit. And when you got stuck in porno on Sunday night, you don't stay away from the church, you run back to the church and you draw on the credit until you learn how to stand up straight in the credited righteousness of God. Your sin will be a thousand or two or three thousand, but the righteousness of God is millions and millions. And we just keep drawing until we live in victory. Amen? If a prophet would write, and I looked at Jeremiah, he says, well, if you race with men on foot and you fall over, then how on earth are you gonna race with horses? So it's like, hey guys, grow up. We've served God for a long time now. And so what I've realized in the life of the church is actually we've been through a tough time, but you know what? We're designed for tough times. And, and, and we, we have age-appropriate responses. When my child is small, I treat them as a small child, but when my child are, are grown up, I treat them as grown-ups. I've served God for 35 years now. And so there should be 35-year-old responses. I don't chuck my toys out the cot when tough times come. So I've learned how to race with men. Then I learned how to race with horses. Then I actually learned how to survive in COVID, in crisis, in economic conditions, with the petrol price going up, and I don't chuck my toys out the cot. I can actually run the race. Amen? An evangelist would probably say, hey guys, the harder the times, because you know what's happening in Hebrews. The guys want to back down. They actually, they are being unbelievably persecuted. They've had their land stolen. People are being insulted. Some are living in holes and they want to kind of back down and the guys are saying, hey guys, you've got to run your race. This is an incredible, so the evangelists are jumping up and down thinking, come COVID because the more COVID comes, the more people are going to get saved. They can't wait. Hey, do you know so many people died? Do you know how many got saved? <laughs> True story, eh? That's how, that's how we all preach these. The teachers would just go, therefore. <laughs> you know, you know he, Hebrews, Hebrews 11 starts with Abel. You know, Abel, you've got to believe in the blood. And then Enoch, you've got to walk with God. You know, it's got to, it's got to and then, and then. Noah built the house of salvation. You've got to build the church. And then Abraham, you've got to go and bless the nations. A, you know, Abel, Enoch, and Noah, Abraham, you've got to have it. Do you understand that? It's how teachers operate. They go all the way back to the beginning and say, hey, you know what? Jesus is bigger than angels. So don't water him down. And, and he's also sympathetic, so he knows you're going through weakness. And Moses kind of pulled him out in, in, in Hebrews 3, but, but Jesus took them in. So Jesus is greater than angels and Jesus is greater than Moses and Jesus is greater than the Aaronic priesthood and Jesus is greater than the Levites and Jesus is greater than Melchizedek. That's, that's the teaching of Hebrews. And actually he opened a way where we couldn't come before and he actually gives you some examples of men who live by faith and he, he wants you to come close and actually have meaningful lives. That's how the teacher would teach it. The pastor would probably say, Flip guy's been tough, eh? And you know the most amazing thing? I'm not an apostle. 
And I'm not a prophet, and I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a teacher, I'm a pastor. And flip, it's been tough. It's been hard. Some people haven't come back to church. It's been financial pressure. It's been tough. I don't like preaching online. I felt disconnected from my people. I love being amongst people. And then as Rigby said, we, we have to learn how to lament. And I was, re- I was reading Lamentations, and Lamentations is a perfect book of suffering. The, 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 the alphabets in the Old Testament is 22 letters. Lamentations goes 122, 222, 366, 422, 522. It's seven times 22 chapters, 22 verses. It's a perperfect book of suffering and right slapping, and so it's 321, 322. And 324 says this, God's mercy is new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. In the middle of the alphabet of suffering is a 24-hour faith that can hold us when we're under tough times. And so as an apostolic movement, I say run as if you're going to win advance. Run, take the nations, plant churches, keep going. As a prophet, I would say to you, hey guys, these are testing times. You can, you're designed for it. Some of you have been saved for 30, 40 years. Leave an example for young people on how to survive in tough times. You young guys, start to win the battles. 1 John chapter 1, I write to you young men because you are strong. The word of God lives inside of you. You've overcome the evil one. Rise up now and make a prophetic declaration to our nation. Get people saved. The people don't know what to do. They don't know who to turn to. They don't know what to do. You can't contain the markets. You can't contain Bitcoin. But Jesus is the answer. Teach the Bible, you young people. Teach it. And for the pastors, love your people deeply. They are going through unbelievable change. Amen? We're sitting in a room in Holland. Many, many years ago, Rigby and myself and Pete... And our spiritual father started naming. I think there were 150 people in the room. And, and, and in a moment of the, like a prophetic unction, he started calling things out of people. He, he said to Rigby, you're, you're a teacher with an apostolic gifting. You remember that, Riggs? He pulled it out of you. He said, he says, this is what you teach the Bible, but when you teach the Bible, people get inheritances. He said, you're a proclaimer of the word of God, Pete. You're a prophetic teacher. He, he just went through every single person, 150. And he left me out. Now, I know most of you shy guys will just disappear, but I put my hand up. I said, hey, Dudley, you, you forgot me. And he looked at me, he looked at me and he, he said, I don't know what you are. And this is my claim to fame. The great Dudley Daniel could never define me. And you know, the most amazing, it's an amazing gift because I wasn't called to be defined. I was called to go into different people's houses and to declare the goodness of God over their lives. And God can use me however he wants to. And so I read the Bible differently. You're reformed, guys, and I'm not putting you in a box, but, but many of you are reformed. So nice to see some ladies here. Okay, I know, okay. Okay, 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 that's nice. <laughs> okay, guys, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You, 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 would read, you would read the Bible through the creation, which is God's way, through the fall, through redemption, and through restoration. What's happening here is a restoration. There's a restoration of culture. 
You've got black guys and white guys and young guys and old guys and men and women. You've got qualified guys and unqualified guys. You've got intellectuals. You've got artisans. And there's a sort of a restoration taking place here. We're establishing New Testament churches all over the earth. That, that is what the Reformed gospel does. It brings order back into that which is destroyed. Amen? The kingdom guys, which was started by Wimbo, actually started by George Eldon Ladd, they start to declare that the kingdom must come. And, and we get all different kinds of kingdom. God gave man authority, man gave authority away. Now we bring the authority back and, and we see those in, in the Bethel movements and in the vineyard movements. We see this and, and we get confused between the kingdom then or, or now and the kingdom not yet. And, and whenever we get those two things, we go into works and, and we have all different theories of those things. But I like to preach the gospel through the eye of a son. Now, I'm not telling you I'm right. I'm just putting it parallel to yours. Because actually, if you read the book of Hebrews, this is what it says. This is how Hebrew goes. It says, in the, in, let's read Hebrews 1. And okay, if, if you, in case you don't think I've got a memory, Holy Spirit, please remind me. Um, in the past, God spoke at various times through various ways, prophets, dreams, burning bush, but in these last days he has spoken by his, say it, say it loudly, so the book of Hebrews is actually about a son, it's about a son, and I like to read the Bible as a son, so when you look at the genealogy in Luke, it goes all the way down and says Adam was the son of God, so right from Genesis, God wanted to reveal himself as father, and Adam messes it up, so in Exodus chapter 4, he has another go, and he says, Israel is my firstborn son, and they mess it up. So in Hebrews chapter one, they quote Psalm chapter two, which is, I am your, you're, my, I'm your, you're my son and I am your father, Psalm chapter two. They also quote 2 Samuel chapter seven, verse four. I am your father and you are my son, talking to Solomon. The end of the Bible in, in Malachi ends like this. I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children of the fathers, lest I strike the earth with a curse. 400 years of silence. What is the last thing God said? He wants fathers and sons to work together. He breaks that 400 years of silence by saying, this is my son. This is my son, whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. At the end of Jesus' life, he says, I'm going back to my God and your God, my father and your father. In Revelation 19, it says, to him who overcomes, I will call you sons of God. So right the way through the scriptures, it starts in Genesis, ends in Malachi with son. It starts in Matthew and ends in Revelation with son. Jesus closes John chapter 9. He says, I'm going back to my father and you and I have been called to represent God the Father on earth at this time. How do you run your race? As a son. And, and ladies, please, he's not saying son and daughter. He's saying son. Because the culture never gave women inheritance. He's saying son. I'm calling you a son. Robinson, Jackson, Donaldson. What's your name? Donaldson. You Donaldson. What's your name? Jackson. You Jackson. What's your name? Peterson. You Peterson. In Greek, it's Bar. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. Bartholomew, son of Tholomew. Abba is father. Bar Abba is a son of the father. So they put two people in front of the crowd. Bar Abba, Barabbas, and Jesus. They shout for the wrong man. They get to the wrong father, and we get no healing. You shout for the right man. You get to the right father, and we start to heal the world. What apartheid did, friends, and you will know that, the most evil part of apartheid took men, husbands from their homes, stuck them in the mines, two generations grew up without their fathers, two generations were born illegitimately prostitutes to a mine. This country has not got an economic problem, this country has got a father problem, and Hebrews is the answer. 
So whether you're a headmaster or whether you're a businessman or whether you're a student or whether you're a dancer, if you learn how to run as a son, you'll take people to the Father, you'll start to become the healing. Amen? And so friends, what it says here, as we read through the theology, because he's speaking to Jewish people, he says actually gives a whole tabernacle, this is a shadow of what's meant to come, but he says actually you can approach confidently the throne of grace, which we enter into, it's called the most holy place in the book of John, he says it like this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, the only way to that, say it, that's Hebrews and John parallel. So the most holy place is the Father. The destination of Christianity is not heaven. The destination of Christianity is the Father. You can fight with me, Reformed guys. I'm charismatic, but I know my Bible. And I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just trying to parallel with you. Please understand. I'm, I'm just trying to parallel. Because if you read it like this, because right the way through the book of Hebrews, and it was mentioned today, God is looking to give us glory and honor. You can read Hebrews. You can read. I've read it through 20 times in the last few weeks. Honor and glory, honor and glory, honor and glory. Over and over again, it says honor and glory. But if you read 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, 2 Peter 1, verse 17, it says this. When the voice from heaven spoke and said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, he received. Say received. received. He received honor and glory. Jesus never worked for honor and glory. He received it. Most of us work for it. How big is your church? How many have you planted? How many deacons have you got? How many sites have you got? Friends, he never worked for it. He worked from it. So we never ever have to perform because I'm under grace. And I've got honor and glory as a son of God and I never have to impress anybody. That means I don't have to lose my courage even if people leave my church because I've got all the honor and glory that I need. Amen? You with me? So let me try and teach you how to read this as a son. Just the race as a son. So, So I stand here as a son of God. We built a 90 million rand building And six weeks after we started, we went into lockdown, and I said, God, what am I going to do? He said, you're too stupid to build it anyway, so so just do what I I called you to build it. So either you're going to receive it, or you're going to go into overdrive and exhaust yourself. And I paid 200 staff full salaries, and people say, how did you do it? I said, I have learned through reading of scripture to become a son. Friends... When he talks, you can read it. When he talks about Melchizedek, immediately he will quote Psalm 2 or 2 Samuel chapter 7. When he talks about the high priest, he will talk about the son next door. When he talks about Psalm 45, when he talks about the king, he'll talk about the son next door. When he talks from Deuteronomy 32, he'll say, my firstborn. Every single reference in Hebrews chapter 1, which is seven quotes from the Old Testament, you can link back in some way to the son of God. It's a book about sons and fathers. So the most holy place. You and I are invited into the most holy place where we learn how to listen to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit speaking to one another. You know what Jesus says? We'll look at it a bit tomorrow. But one of the things he says in Hebrews 2, he says, I'm not ashamed to call you brother. Family language, eh? I will come to the community, present Participle, I will come to the community and I will tell you about his name. Jesus is going to keep coming to the church and telling us about God the Father. He says, here I stand. You can read it in Hebrews 2. Here I stand, I put my faith in him. Here I stand with the children of God. We're brothers, eh? 
And if you have a look there in your Bible, there will be a little A or a C there, and that is a reference to Isaiah 8 verse 18. It says, we are signs and wonders. Is it Robert? Andre, why don't you come here quickly, please? Now, now don't get offended with me. Black Lives Matter takes us to the very base level of our difference. Takes us to the base level of our cultural difference. This theology, if you listen to me carefully, lifts us way above, way above, where we find a unity way above my upbringing, where I find a unity way above my culture, and when I find Jesus as my brother and he finds Jesus as his brother and him and I stand next to each other as sons of God, the Bible says when men take their direction off us, we are signs and wonders that will end up with the Father. And while we try and fight around our differences, friends, and try and find that lowest common denominator, it'll always be political, it'll always be sensitive, we will always tread on people, we will lose our courage, we'll end up bullying one another, we have got to find a unity way above, which is the sons of God. And you can be offended and you can challenge me, I don't mind. But I've been trying to understand this theology more and more as I stand together Friends, I have more in common with this man who's a believer in Christ than I have, I don't have a natural brother, but I have a natural brother who doesn't know Jesus. I was preaching this in Pretoria to Afrikaans people, they gasp at me. But I have more in common with him as a black brother, as a son of God, as a brother in Christ than I have with my own family who don't know Jesus. That's how you run your race. Thank you, sir. Amen? So in the past... God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So the last word of God to the world is his son. Not, it doesn't say Jesus Christ, it says his son. He wants to be known as the father. Whom he appointed heir of all things. Say heir. Say I'm an heir. This is the will, this is the will of God, you are an heir. What's the difference? Let me, let me show you what a will is, if you can put it up there. Slide 15. That is, that is my sick father. I, I know it's funny, but please don't laugh. I, I walked into my dad, my dad is a very successful businessman. I walked into his hospital room and uh, he was about to die, and he was demented, and he had lost his mind. And I walked in there, and he was as clear as a whistle, and he said to me, how's Thomas? I said, Thomas is fine, Dad. He said, how old is he now, boy? I said, he's 12, Dad. He said, what's his rugby like? I said, he's a good rugby player, Dad. He said, boy, we've got to get him to Hilton College. Hilton College is the most expensive school in South Africa. And I said, thanks, Dad. Awesome, Dad. I can't do that. I'm a pastor, Dad. But I didn't say that, and then I left. And I came back that night and he is muggy, he completely demented, and then he died. And when I got his will, that was the front page of his will. It is my Ian William Mitchell Dyer's wish that money be made available for my grandson, spelled wrong. You see that? Grandson, spelled wrong. Thomas J. Dyer, he doesn't have a second name. 
to attend Hilton College for his shul. You see that? For his shul attending. Signed 14th of January 2015. At the bottom is one of the nurses at Winters. We spoke today about witnesses, eh? My dad had witnesses. <laughs> Friends, that is the will. That is a very holy piece of paper for me. That is the will. Say the will, the will. of a sick father. How much more? Say how much more. If my father who is evil knows how to give good gifts to his children, say how much more. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or young or older. The moment you believe in Jesus, he bypasses your biology. That's what John chapter 1 verse 14 tells me. And I've got direct access to the father. It is not by natural descent or human decision that I'm being born again, but by believing in Jesus. It's the only solution to an apartheid riddled nation. Amen? That's a will. Let me show you an A. That's an A. That's an A. That is a boy leading his school onto the 150th celebration with 14,000 people watching him. And when he was 12 years old, my dad knew. 14,000 people. He's as calm as anything. He's got an incredible mind. God, you know what, you know what, he, he went one step further. That's winning man of the match at Craven Week as the captain of the Sharks. In three games he played, he won man of the match twice. And the next picture, as captain of the South African under 18, you see there's a will of a sick father and there's an inheritance. You can turn it off. God said to Israel, I will give you from the river to the river, from the mountain to the sea. And the whole of the Old Testament can be summed up in that piece of paper. I will give you that piece of it. I'll give it to you. And every battle that David fought and every battle against the Gershonites and the Hittites and the Amalekites and was to get this piece of land. And when Solomon came in and he started to sin, he started to lose, 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 he started to lose. And now Israel lives in 10% of the land that God promised. How are you running your race? How, what percentage? You see, friends, we don't fight the battle. Jesus did. The Son of God fought the battle. He gave us 100%. What part of that do you live in? He gave us peace. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us mercy. He gave us access to resources. He gave us anointing. He gave us leadership. He gave us strategy. He gave us opportunity. He gave us relationships. He gave us a multiplication factor. How much of it do you live in? We don't have to fight for it. Jesus fought for it. You've got to change your mind. You've got to start thinking like a son. You see, friends, what happens is we get formed, and then what happens with cultures is we get conformed and experience we get deformed through rape or through divorce. We get deformed, and, and the Bible says, now you need to transform your thinking to what? To think like a son again, to think like a dad, to know that when you come into the most holy place, he can deal with you. Amen? So, so the Bible says that there's a race marked out. Say marked out for us. So let's have a look at Hebrews 13. I'll give you three quick tracks and then we're finished. Are, are we okay, Riggs? Are you disappointed yet? <laughs> Hebrews 13. Keep on loving each other as? Say it. It doesn't say brothers and sisters, eh? 
Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if they were their fellow prisoners, and those who are ministered, mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed should be kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. I wanna just talk about three tracks that we should all of us run this race. The track of power, he says, remember, you must look after the mistreated people as if you were mistreated yourself. You and I got given power to serve people, never ever to become more powerful. And when we understand sonship, when we understand the Father, and when we go into the most holy place, that is to utilize our power to serve people, never ever to draw power to ourselves. And true sons of God will never draw power to themselves. We were not designed to be famous. Not Elton Yankees or anybody. And we can see them falling one after the next. We see them fall out of the pulpits. We see them fall on the sports field because power was never ever meant to draw applause. Power was meant to serve. And an apostolic team does not get put in place for the local church to serve the apostles. The apostles were put in place to serve the local church. And the way we treat with power is that this team of influential and anointed people come underneath the church to help you build a foundation so that you can flourish as a local church. The local church is the prize. The second thing is marriage, friends. As brothers, how do you treat your wife? You see, friends, if I look at her from this perspective, it's my wife. If I look at her through the perspective of the father, it's his daughter. If I understand son and I understand brother, then I must understand that my wife is his daughter. And I must treat her accordingly. And I want to tell you that onslaught on sexuality and transgender and all that stuff taking place, we are not experts on all that stuff, but I want to tell you this, keep your marriage bed pure. Keep your marriage bed pure. Become accountable with what you watch on TV. Because, because the moment that thing goes, the power in your pulpit goes with it. it does, you can't fool anybody. And there is an onslaught, friends. I'm preaching as a pastor, as an apostle, as an evangelist, but I want to tell you the track we run on is one of sexual purity, not a hint of immorality, not a hint. Get your marriage in order. Wife, submit to your husband. It doesn't say wife, submit to all men. It just says submit to your husband. Sue doesn't have to submit to me. She just has to submit to Rigby. You see, we kind of think, well, all women must submit to all men. It doesn't say that in the Bible. It says, wife, submit to your husband. Husband, lay down your life for your wife. But you want to run this race? doesn't matter who preaches the gospel. Get your marriage in order. Get your power in order. Don't control people. Don't use people. Don't enrich yourself from people. And finally, you need a working theology around money. Because right now, the resources of the church are under enormous pressure. And the more we preach the gospel, the more the government's going to clamp down on us. And the more they clamp down on us, the money sources are going to tighten up. You have to have a theology that God can provide. He will never leave us, and he'll never forsake us. Amen? Let me take you through a story. God works with me through number plates. Please don't do this. I'm a charismatic. I've done this for 30 years. It won't work with you but it works with me. So the day before lockdown, I was with a guy who used to be in your church. He's completely reformed. And he was with me and he said, how does this work, Rory? I said, I haven't got a clue, but there were eight cars in a row with this number plate. If you can just put the first one up. 46, next one. 46, next one. 46, next one. Keep it there. There were eight in a row. And I felt God say to me, read Psalm 46. Please don't do this at home. 
And Psalm 46 says this, be still and know that I am God. And the next day we went into lockdown and we had an 87 million rand bill. And I said, Lord, how on earth am I going to pay this money? And he said, just be still and know that I am God. Now, I'm trying to understand the theology of a son. I said, God, you're my father. I'm your son. We're in COVID. I've got a business. He said, and you're my son. And Jesus opened the way so that you can come into the most holy place so that I can help you. I can settle you. I can help you in your time of weakness. Not only am I son, I'm also a sympathetic high priest that understands your weaknesses. So just come to me. And I did it over and over and over and over again. And the money trickled in and the money trickled in and the money trickled in. And then one day the money ran out. And I said, God, what must I do? He said, you give away everything. So I gave away everything. Don't do it. I stopped my salary for 22 months and I gave my car away and I walked for seven months. And as I walked, God taught me what it means to be his son and him to be my father. And so when I say to you, what race should you run? Just run the race of being a father and a son and the Holy Spirit and in his house and in his most holy place and in his presence so that he can speak to you about how to speak to your wife. Jesus says, I only say what my father's told me to say and how to say it. So even the tone of your voice is under the command of the father. And I don't know how to catch Uber, so I'm catching lifts and I need a lift to Joburg and we've got absolutely no money in our church. So I'm driving to, to, to Joburg and I'm crying out to God. I said, God, you told me. And this car came in front of me. And God said, now, just be still and know that I am God. So I said, okay. And then 600,000 rand came and I thought. <sighs> and one of our elders said, this is not our money. We must give it away. <laughs> like, why? He said, we need to give it to a church that's building. I think, who else is stupid enough to build in COVID? And we found some Afrikaans guys. So we gave them the 600,000 rand, and the guy phoned me and said, is he a mole? I said, I think so. <laughs> and then we had no money, and I went on holiday, and the guy said, what are you going to do? I said, listen, whether we are 8.6 or 8 makes no difference. I'm going to jail anyway. <laughs> so somebody gave me money. I went to Samola. I hired a golf cart. <laughs> and God said, now listen, China. If you want to understand this theology that you want to go and preach all over the world, learn how to rest, play golf, I'll build a church, okay? I'll build a church. So, so I drove around there and it's like, God, bills, voices, Ukraine, COVID. And three days later, I invited a mate to come play golf with me. That's how he came. I promise you. That's how he came. And when we got to the halfway house, this is the, this is the picture. Please keep that picture on. You know what that is? Candles. Yes. Who says candles? Who says sushi? <laughs> sushi? Anybody for sushi? That's gold coins. That's 20 in a pile. A lady came in a polo golf with a mask on. She said, don't ask me my name. Don't ask me my telephone number. Don't ask me where I come from. In 1975, do the mathematics, guys. 2021 20, minus 1975 equals? Exactly. <laughs> See, God can use charismatics, eh? <laughs> in, in 1975, God told my dad 
to collect gold to give to a church that makes him happy. That's six million rand. She dropped it off, she got in her car and she drove away. You see, friends, people say, how did you build a church? I said, I'm a son. How do you run your race? I'm a son. What do you do as a son? I use my privileges to go into the presence of God where I hear the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit talking about people on the earth. We went to go and sell the gold. Next picture, please. You can't see that it's 46 RD. My name is Rory Dyer. Be still and know that I'm God, Rory Dyer. That's on the way to sell the gold. This is a guy who bought the gold. Next picture. That's Mr. Kruger. He bought the gold. On the way back to the office, our accountant phoned us and said, your builders, Fundalinda Fenter, VV, are getting agitated because you owe them money. That's driving back to the office, the next picture. Be still and know that I'm God, Rory Dyer. Be still and know that I'm God, Mr. Kruger. Be still and know that I'm God, Fundalinda Fenter. And I showed it to our elders and they said, you smoking dope, bro. <laughs> So I just said, Lord, could you confirm it for me, please? So I went to go and pick my boys up from golf, and those two cars you can't see are both 46. And then my son was going to go to Hilton, but my dad's dead now, and he didn't provide for him to go to Hilton, so I've got to look at other schools. So I went into St. Albans to the headmaster's office, and that's what it said on his wall. So my son is at St. Albans. How do you run your race? Reformed? as a saint, as a apostle, as a lead elder, as a wife, or do you just run it as a son? Just a son who's got full access into the presence of the Father, who the Bible says is more powerful and richer than anybody. It's incomparably rich and incomparably powerful. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. So your dad might have changed, he doesn't. He's always faithful, he's always generous, he's always kind, he's always got strategies, he's always got answers, he never changes, he's not moody. He's not depressed and he's not withdrawn. In Corinthians it says he's the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. In Ephesians chapter four it says he's the Father of us all. So it doesn't matter if you grew up in a rich home or a poor home. It doesn't matter if you've got an education or not an education. It doesn't matter if you grew up in marriage or you grew up out of wedlock. He's still your dad. And you and I have got access to him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. How do you run your race? Your race of power, your race of marriage, your race with money. How do you run it? I want to tell you, run it as a son. Run it as a son. You'll start to live in the fullness of everything God has for you. This is his house. It's his people. We heirs of it. Live in the fullness of your inheritance. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want you just to just pause a little. Close your eyes with me. And don't try and hear this through the grid of uh, just theological faithfulness or accuracy. What I've loved about Rory is just this wonderful percolating well of Scripture. 
and it's not opposing anything that we believe, but it's a supplement. There's a sense in which we can uh, want to put God into boxes of our own making. And Rory has just given us the gift to see, to show that uh, we need to right-size God in different ways. We need to see God as the God who uh, has got a million, trillion, billion ways to be at work. I'd love us just to pause before him uh, today and just to let your spirit soak some of the stuff, some of the things you've heard. They've come with your name on them. They've come with the Lord uh, really wanting to draw you in. So let's just wait upon him. Rory, I want to invite you to get off your butt there and don't think you're getting off so lightly. We're going to do some praying tonight and just uh, want to invite some of our our team guys, the room we spent time with yesterday, just to also be on standby. But let's just be before the Lord and uh, in, a, in, a, in a posture of humility. Let's just wait. Lord, we just want to say thank you for speaking to us in in this beautiful and rich way. Thank you for the fact that every one of us today can hear and feel and experience this upward pull on our lives. Like Jesus, when he came up out of the water and he hears that beautiful, glorious voice of the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Something of a prototype for our sonship before he's done anything, before he has done a miracle or gone public, before he's even gone to the cross to secure our salvation, he is living under the waterfall of God's affirmation, God's grace, and this beautiful declaration. Through so much of what we uh, have heard tonight, there is a sense in which the Lord wants to affirm our sonship, our daughtership, wants to hear that whisper. He wants to burn into us that rich sense of we are his and he is ours. Multiple times through the scriptures, I will be your God and you will be my people. And the people of God are the sons and the daughters of God by blood purchased through Jesus. He says, I want to be your God. I want to be your father. There's this longing in the heart of God for this relationship 
to be freshly animated with life, with reality, freshly baptized with security, freshly rooting us in his amazing, scandalous grace and goodness. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I want us just to really, really ask the Lord to deal with any vestiges of the orphan spirit in us, that sense in which, and it manifests in so many ways, our our tendency to compare, our tendency to compete, our tendency to, to, to drift from these amazing promises, the tendency to 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 let the weight and the passage, the text we're under in this time is the writer is 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 calling us away from the weight and the sin that so easily uh, moves us away from this call to be these freshly animated and empowered sons and daughters of God. We're to lay it aside. And I'd love for us, just as we come before the Lord, I want to just invite the band to lead us in this song. And let's just be before the Lord. I think there's some things that uh, He will want to say to us. There's, I believe, uh, uh, some prayers that we can pray for each other. Why don't you just stand with me right now? Lord, we want to welcome your presence. Why don't you just hold out your hands as an expression of hunger and thirst to receive, if you're comfortable with that. We want to experience, not just hear, we want to invite, we want to be touched by this good, good Father who wants to burn off our lives those vestiges of insecurities, wants to shore up our adoption, wants us to be freshly secured in the soil of security, rooted, grounded in love, not just for an hour, a minute, or a few days, but where these roots go deeper and deeper. When we're in the shower, we just overwhelmed by this amazing love of God. When we're driving in our cars, when we're walking in the forests, and even the tough times, we want to be a people rooted in the security of God's love. I'm going to ask the band just to lead us in the song of worship, and then we've created time where we can just pray, receive. I'm going to ask Rory to pray over us, and we'll maybe just... Just listen to the whispers of God. Things that He might want to say to you personally. In the same way Rory's modeled this, uh, this heart that is just open to... It's not strange fire, guys. <laughs> it's this ability to hear the whispers of God, obey God radically, and then live this life that is just other. So lead us band as we sing together and let's, let's just follow the band. Let's sing. Let's bring our voices. Let's, let's align to each other. Let's align to the Lord. And let's be ready just to receive as Rory prays for us.
something along the side but this is what the Bible says it says go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the say it and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit I've seen people baptized who don't obey God teach them to obey everything that I've commanded what it actually means is go into all the world and take everything that the Bible says about the Father and pour it over people pour it over them completely immerse them completely immerse them and, and you know, friends, I once used a bottle of water, took a 500 millimeter bottle of water and I poured it over somebody and I said, God pours out. And two years later, I was driving and I just, I've never heard God speak. I wish I did, but I haven't. And I just had this like moment where I felt God say, why did you use a man-made thing to describe a heavenly truth? Why did you take a 500 millimeter bottle of water to describe I poured out my love over you? I lavished you with my love. I baptized you. I said, Lord, what must I use? And I just had this picture of when I stood next to Niagara Falls. You see, you go into all the world and you baptize people. You pour and pour and pour and pour and pour and pour until you can stand up. The noise of your past, the noise of your brokenness, the noise of the disappointment of your own earthly father becomes silenced. And you learn how to stand. You know what, friends, many of you go into building projects. The Bible says, I don't have to raise money. The money's raised. I have to learn how to release it. Ecclesiastes tells me that. Proverbs tells me that. To the wicked man, he gives the job of storing up riches to hand to the man that pleases God. Somehow, 46 years later, we pleased somebody who gave us 6 million rand. The money's stored up. 
You just have to access it. If you want to be baptized, I'm, I'm not talking Holy Spirit fall down. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not a charismatic like I don't believe that stuff. If, if you want to be baptized in the name of the Father tonight, I just want you to lift your hands and, and, and lift them. Go into all the world and baptize them, baptismo, fully immerse them, fully immerse them, fully immerse them. Friends, we cannot deny Ephesians starts like this, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. Colossians starts, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. 1 Corinthians, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. 2 Corinthians, grace, mercy, and peace from God. Galatians, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. Every single one of those books like a letter, whether he's writing to the Corinthians who are living in sin, or he's writing to the Galatians who are living in legalism, both of those books start like this, grace, mercy, and peace to God the Father. They're dealing with licentiousness and with legalism is understanding the Father. Even if we continue to read in Hebrews chapter 12, it says God only disciplines those, He only disciplines His his legitimate sons. If you're not disciplined, then you're illegitimate. But it says later on, after you've been trained by this gymnasium, after you've been gym by this, it'll produce a harvest of righteousness. God only disciplines us based on our future. Jesus has dealt with our past. When God disciplines us, I understand when God disciplines us is because he says to me, Rory, this behavior unchecked is going to rob you of an inheritance. And that's how you should discipline your children. You should not tell your children they're good or bad. You should tell your children that God has got an inheritance for them. And that you want to intervene in their lives so that if they make the adjustments, they'll walk into the fullness of what God has. Everything changes. Our mindset changes. You're welcome to challenge me. But first, I want to say, God, will you baptize us in your name? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this morning, we've got a baptism of Jesus. The most incredible baptism of Jesus. All those heroes are watching Jesus. They're not watching us. But you know what my son said to me? I watched 24 of his matches. He said this to me. He said, Dad, when you watch me play, I play better. When you watch me play, I play better. And I want to tell you, friends, I know all those heroes are watching Jesus, but the Father's watching us. The Father is watching us, and when He watches me, I play better. Play better. If you're trusting God for money, you've panicked in the midst of COVID and people not coming back to your church. You're going into a building project. If, you, if you're trusting God for money, I want you to come to the front. I, I can't do anything other than this. I can tell you I received and when we walked into our building, 90 million rand in the midst of the greatest economic climate in this whole nation, 90 million rand. And people say to me, how did you do it? I say, I've got absolutely no idea. But we paid it off cash. We didn't borrow from a bank. If you're trusting God for money and you're panicking, I want you to come to the front.
you mind lifting your hands just out of, I just, because you know, guys, when you built that building, I said to lift my hands. I just didn't know where the next cent was going to come from. I cried most of the time. When I gave my car away, I just walked, I shouted at God, I cried to God, I asked God, I, th- I thought I was mad. I just walked. And there were many days I just stopped and cried. And then I started to notice estate agents' boards and I started phoning people and they started crying. And then people started picking me up and they had marriage problems and I started praying for them. I was 51 years old, walking. My wife would go down to watch our son and I had no car and I didn't know how to use Uber and I just into the depths of my heart I started to cry out to God and then I just felt like I tapped into something just tapped into God I don't know what that means I just felt like I I, I came into the most holy place And, and, and I just pray over these few days that this womb that we find ourselves in is the most holy place where the anointing of God Guys, he, he can give us strategy. He can give us ideas. He can give us, he, he can, you know, I put up on the board, we didn't meet for six months, I think. I put up on the board, somebody put a million rand in Afrikaans that said Bofons, and somebody put a hundred rand in. And I put it on the board, and I said, this is how we build the church. Bofons, Afrikaans, building fund English, million rand, hundred rand. This is how we build the church. And I stepped down from the pulpit and a lady, old lady, came to me. And she said to me in Afrikaans, Son, do you want to pay for this church? And I said, Tani, auntie, yes. She said, Die million rand is from my man. That million rand is from my husband. I said, Tani, it says, it, it's unbekend. It's, it's anonymous. She said, I'm telling you that's from my husband. And that's not money for him. You must ask God to bother him. I said, what do you mean? She said, Friday here om home to pla. I said, what, what, how? She said, Netsua, Friday here pla om. So I said three times, Lord, bother him. And truth, Bob, that old man walked into my office with a checkbook. He said, son, I don't know what's happening. But he said, God is bothering me. And he wrote another million rand check out and he said, please ask God to stop. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I said to his wife, I said he gave another million rand. She said, I told you, eh? God, God's, God, God's got it, guys. God's got it. Hey, he's got it. Hey, stop panicking. It says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's what he promised. That's a financial. Hebrews 13 is a financial promise. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. That's not works. It's grace. You receive it. We heard this morning, even when your intercessory team doesn't pray, and you stop praying, then Jesus is standing next to the Father and He's praying. I want to tell you guys, there is an injustice in the supply of money to black churches in this nation that is a relic of apartheid. And black churches have been denied finances because of a systematic sin. We have got to break that. We have got to preach a theology. As a church, I feel like I've got a very poor record with black people. As a church, we are systematically sowing into black churches to right the wrong. 
and showing them the Father. You know, it says in John 4, it says, show us the Father and that will be enough. Say enough. Enough to deal with what? Enough to deal with apartheid? Yes. Enough to deal with a broken home? Yes. Enough to deal with the Father that left us? Enough. Say, show us the Father and that will be enough. Guys, I, I, I just, it's, it's just soak it. Just receive. Just receive. I, I personally have never felt God touch me ever. I've never shaken. I've never fallen. I, 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 and I feel like I'm full of God. So I just tease about the charismatic. The, the charismatic is when the Spirit of God impregnates our hearts with the truth of the Bible. I just want you to stand here as I just. Somebody said, I watched, I watched 24 games of rugby. Somebody said to me, but, but, but what about the church? I said, no, I, I, don't, I don't build the church. Jesus builds the church. Jesus built, I, I felt like my son needed to hear my voice on the side of the field. Eight weeks ago, friends, we got a million rand deposit into our church. A million rand. Just, just deposit Monday, Monday morning. million rand into our church. I don't know what happens in our church finances. Our accountant phoned me and said, somebody put a million rand. I said, hey, praise God. And she sent me the name. I said, do we have anybody on our database? No one. And last week, Tuesday, a man came to see me. His wife is sick. And I said, hey, where do I know you from? He said, I met you on the side of the rugby field. I said, I remember that. He said, I sent my son to Hilton because your son's at Hilton. And I started watching you online. And, and, and I, I thought, gee, that's amazing. And I said, why are you here? He said, no, I heard that you had a brain tumor and my wife's got a brain tumor and we just wanted you to pray. I said, where do you go to church? He said, I go to CRC. So I said, you didn't put a million rand in our bank account the other day, did you? He looked at his wife. His wife looked at him. He said, yes, I did. I met him on Saturday on the rugby field on Monday. He put a million rand. I said, why? He said, oh, I don't know. I just felt God say like I must bless you. I'm just a son on the side of a field. I'm just a son. Look after your children. Take care of your wife. Lay down your life. Submit to your husband. Just go to the shops. Pray. Read. God look after you. He's your father. In the same way that you prepare meal, your kids don't ask, can I have supper tonight? You just prepare supper. They, they don't ask, can I go to school? You find the best school that you can afford and you send them there because you're a father, because you're a mum, because you love them, because you care for them. I, I, just, I just pray, Father, that you would you'd baptize these men and women who are standing here. You'd baptize them in the name of the Father. you're standing out there and you haven't treated your wife like a daughter of God we must repent we must repent before she's your wife she's his daughter before he's your husband's God's son I can't speak about Rigby like I want to I can't say God is, Rigby is God's son when, when, I, when I say Lord I want to speak to you about Rigby he says do you mean my son I said yes Lord your son he said you better speak accordingly the way I speak about people, the way I speak to people. Sons of God. Now the Bible says the earth is waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Advance, you will bless the nations of this earth. Listen to me. Advance, you will bless the nations of this earth. There will be a gift of multiplication upon your lives. You will go where you have ne never ever sown. You will reap in places that you've never sown seed. You'll cross rivers and boundaries and borders that you thought there would be no access to. There will be no barrier that will stop you. 
You have privileges and rights. That's what it says. I have the full rights of a son. It says that in John 1 verse 40. I have the full rights. Say full rights. Full rights. You can plant anywhere. You can build anywhere. You have the full rights of sons. You have the full rights of sons. I'm telling you, friends, we get conformed and deformed in the, even the very homes we grow up in. Deform our understanding of God the Father. It deforms it because our fathers were stingy or our fathers were absent or our fathers were alcoholics. And we don't understand this very vital part of theology. Before tomorrow morning, read John 14, 15, 16, 17 and ask God to baptize you in the name of the Father. Thessalonians, I treat you like a father. I urge you on as a father. You will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Prince of Peace. this is a theology that can make us equal. We will treat one another with respect. We will share our possessions with those who have need. We treat one another as brothers and sisters. Run the race marked out for you. Run the race. There's a real just profound sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit, sense of being baptized freshly in our spirit of sonship and daughtership, the Spirit Himself among us bearing witness that we are sons and daughters, the Spirit Himself awakening us fresh expectations and desires to fellowship the Father something really weighty and profound that we have encountered tonight, what we're experiencing tonight. And I just, it's so difficult to close this meeting, but we're not closing what God is doing. We're blessing it. We're saying yes to the word we've received. Rory is more a sovereignaholic than he cares to admit. I'm not saying he's reformed or 
deformed or any of those formed things, but I am saying, uh, I know this man. And I want to say to you, Rigby Wallace trusts this man. I might not say it in the same way that he does. And we might not have like 100% theological, but I want to tell you the weight of the glory of God and the way this man lives out a revelation of the Father. And it's not in the teaching. I know this man. It's in the life he lives. One of the most big-hearted, gracious, generous, kindest man, men that I know. And Roy, I just honor you before the Lord tonight. And we want to honor Rory tonight before the Lord in any way you think appropriate, but I think it would be good just to tell God we are so grateful in some way. Can we do that?